Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 108th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, per usual, we have a little bit of news. The continuation of Act 1 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park with Episode 3 in the series, and then we'll head into the audio lab to check out a fun remix track. Now, before we get started, I did want to announce that my wife and I welcomed our first kid into the world uh, this past week, Mr. Lincoln Bennett Jost. It's very exciting time for us, so if there is ever a missed episode here on the podcast, you know, this week or next week or any other week, uh, you'll know it's due to more important matters. But uh, we'll try to keep business as usual here, and uh, we've got so many great contributors here on the podcast, so I know they'll continue to help steer the ship as we move forward. And also, like I've said before, if you do want to add a segment of your own to the show, send us some samples, and we'll work with you to get you more involved in the show. You know, I've got an awesome kid now. I'm part of the Jurassic Dads crew, so I'm really excited to see where this takes us. Anyway, why don't we show this kid what we're about here and get things started off with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. Today, I guarantee it. Chronicle Collectibles debuted a bunch of cool items and also showed off a lot of their cool items at San Diego Comic-Con over the past weekend. So let's dive into a few of the items here. So one of the big items was the uh, John Hammond cane. It's a one-to-one replica of that John Hammond cane made famous by the films. Now this cane is produced by both Chronicle and Paradise Collectibles Group, which is a new company by friend of the podcast, Derek Zernsick. Uh, This cane is cast from the original studio prop. It comes with a custom Jurassic Park plaque and hanger. It's a really cool looking piece and actually one of the more affordable uh, pieces from Chronicle. And it's listed at $249.99. Of course, there are the payment plan options with either a two, three, or six month plan, and always the option to pay full price. I'll provide the link to Paradise Collectibles Group in our show notes to check it out, or you can head straight to paradisecollect.com. They also debuted the sick trike uh, model there. It's a 125th scale. It's uh, pending the base that it's sitting on right now. It's on a black oval with a logo on there. It does look super accurate to the film, the sick Triceratops from the film. Uh, It's really cool. I can't wait to see more details about this one. This is a really awesome one, so I might have to pick this one up. Uh, Also, they debuted the 1/5th T-Rex. Now, this thing is incredibly giant. It's uh, absurdly giant, a little bit too big to be honest in my case. Uh, it looks like the model on display had a slight coloring issue if you ask me personally. Uh, it didn't seem to replicate the film version too well. It seemed a little bit orange I guess. Uh, the sculpt did look really good so I don't know what they're gonna do uh, about uh, painting that but hopefully that gets 
touched up a little bit here and there, but otherwise it looked really awesome. And uh, lastly, I did want to touch on the Indominus Rex, which is a 124th scale. Uh, another really big piece as well. Uh, obviously not as big as that T-Rex, but uh, it does look really good. This is a, a good paint job on this one. Uh, like unlike some of the T-Rexes here and there uh, It does look like there's an amber piece on the ground from the final battle sequence, which is cool a nice little detail there um, So this is a cool one. I can't wait to find out more about this now They did have a few more items on display some that you've seen before so I won't go into too, too much detail there But if you head to the link in our show notes You'll find Chronicle Collectibles website with all their stuff and uh, you'll find their social media within the show notes <laughs> So, it wasn't so crazy, was it? It now looks like the T-Rex may not have been as fast as we once thought. Hints are pointing scientists to believe that the Rex may have been able to only run slash walk about 12 miles per hour, which is less than half the speed Hammond noted the Rex being able to run in the film. So, according to the scientists' new models, the legs would have broken before they could reach any higher speeds. I feel so bad for them now. Oh. Ouch. But the new theories don't account for certain muscles or tendons, but the overall consensus is that it was not a fast beast like our films may have portrayed it. So let's consider a few things. As most of us do like to compare the real-life attributes of dinosaurs to their film counterparts, uh, let's always remember that the Jurassic Park dinosaurs are genetically modified theme park monsters. So maybe the Rex could keep up with a Jeep that could only drive apparently 32 miles an hour. Uh, that's a little weird. But uh, it is genetically enhanced in some sense, right? I mean, you know, it had to have been. But it does lend to more credence of Claire being able to outrun the Rex in Jurassic World. Uh, the average human sprinting speed is anywhere from 10 to 15 miles per hour. So maybe Claire was a sprinter back in her high school or college days, uh, or just a fast person in general. But also at some point, we do have to stop comparing the film creatures to real life animals, you know? That's just my theory anyway. For more information on the study by the journal Pierre J, find the article from the Washington Post in our show notes. The voice on the abridged version of the Jurassic Park audiobook has passed away. John Hurd, who many of you will know as the father from the first two Home Alone films, has died at the age of 71 on July 21st. Now, Jurassic fans will know him from the Random House audiobook cassette with the three-hour version of the story. It was certainly a beloved version by many, so Mr. Hurd will certainly be missed for his performance here and uh, across film and television. Rest in peace, John. Uh, oh, there it is. There it is. And now let's listen to the third episode of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Extinction Level Jurassic Park, Episode 3, Flight. It was still early in the morning when a black sedan drove through the security checkpoint at the New York airport, straight towards and stopping next to a small private jet. A heavyset muscled bodyguard, dressed in black, got out and opened the back door for their passenger. InGen's lead scientists at the time of the Nublar incident, under whose leadership InGen made their breakthrough, going from extracted DNA to cloning actual dinosaurs. They even included alterations, like increased growth rate, to get full-size dinosaurs in less than five years. Now it had become clear that not all alterations worked. Two mechanisms, both to ensure keeping control of the animals, had gloriously failed. Gender control and lysine contingency. They should have prevented the animals from breeding and making them dependent on human oversight. 
The San Diego incident had made it public knowledge that the animals were in fact breeding and very much alive on Isla Sorna, four years after abandoning the project and the evacuation of the islands. Whatever happened to Isla Nubla was still anyone's guess, although officially Injen had stated that everything had been dismantled after the Nubla incident. It wouldn't have been Injen's first lie to limit curiosity. A little disoriented, Dr. Henry Wu leaned back into the car to retrieve a small briefcase. Sir, if you'll allow me. I'll keep this on me, if you don't mind. Suit yourself. Please follow me, Doctor. Mr. Hammond is waiting for you inside. Squinting up at the sun, after some time behind the tinted windows of the car, Wu's sight slowly becomes adjusted to the light and he follows the man to the entrance, to Hammond's private jet. The bodyguard beckons him to climb the stairs while he stays below. Welcome, Doctor. And as soon as he steps inside the plane, he sees John Hammond. Ah, Henry! So good of you to come. Come, come, come. We should uh, take our seats so we can take off. Get you a drink? Just water would be fine, thanks. Two waters, please. Thanks. As John Hammond points Henry, Henry to come. his chair opposite him, so they face each other while flying. Wu, still a little in mystery, sits down. John, this is an unexpected pleasure. Why the sudden invitation? What is this about? I got a call about a disease our animals seem to carry. You know about this? Oh my, you mean the prion disease? John smiles in silence, but looks with a sharp eye at Henry at his response. Waiting to respond, now Eliza has returned with two glasses of water. Seat bells, gentlemen. Will there be anything else? No, thank you, Liz. You can uh, take your seat. Both men fastened their seatbelt and the plane started to taxi toward the runway and Eliza moved towards her seat further back in the plane. As soon as John expects her to be out of earshot, he looks back at Henry. Of course, I tried to tell you earlier. You remember our early deaths. Early deaths? At the park, the animals. We lost our first animals pretty quick due to complications. We discovered the prions back then and I tried to tell you, but you just told me to fix it. I never got to finish the cure. As the plane started to gather speed, both men stayed silent for a while. Until the plane took off, the noises died and the plane leveled. An uncomfortable silence that lasted until who spoke again, to break it. I'm close now. Closer than I ever imagined possible, two years ago when I published my book. I expect the final breakthrough within the year. Close to what? I'm working on a plant, a hybrid which can help us fight this disease. And possibly help fight other prion diseases too. Like the variant Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease. It's very exciting. The point is, I think we can save the animals from their fate. Henry, the animals are flourishing. Even though the Lysine contingency should have killed them off years ago, you, you know this. Our team didn't find any evidence of the animals being sick. As the seatbelt's on sign bleeps off, who looks confused at John. Wait, you weren't talking about the animals? What did you mean by the animals' fate? I'd expect the animals to start showing signs soon, if they don't already. Probably within the next five years, they'll all have gone the way of the dodo again. You're saying that if if we don't do anything, they will all die? Well, yes. Another moment, both men stay silent, letting it sink in. How is this possible? You never told me. I tried, but then the project was dropped after the incident, and we all expected the animals to die quickly through lysine deficiency. It didn't matter anymore. Until now. Until now. But if you weren't talking about the animals, what were you talking about? Is the virus dangerous for, for humans? Prions. It's different, but as far as we know, no. None of our workers ever got sick or showed symptoms. Henry, 
None of the workers that were attacked survived. Have they ever been examined? No, of course not. COD was always evident. Why is this relevant? A wee girl that got bitten on sauna. A doctor that treated her in Costa Rica, he called me. Told me she caught an unidentified disease. He thinks likely from being bitten by one of our compies. What symptoms is she showing? I'll let you ask him yourself. We're on our way to meet him now. I think the girl will be alright. What about my animals? Here I was thinking the animals were best off left alone. And now you're telling me that they will die if we don't act? I just see it as a challenge. We're given a chance to save the animals and I think we should take it. Yes, quite. Well, let's see what Dr. Gutierrez has to show us. We'll discuss this further after. Sure. The two men stayed silent again and would continue for the rest of the flight. Henry took a scientific book out of his suitcase and started to read. John Hammond simply sipped from his water, looking at the clouds flowing by outside until they landed in Virginia, where Martin Guterres was studying the samples he had taken from the girl back in Costa Rica. Thank you for listening to episode 3 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park with the voices of Jurassic Unicasts Steve Hurrell and James Hawkins as the bodyguard and John Hammond and Russ Lane as the voice of Henry Wu. Thank you guys for helping me out with this project. You have amazed me and I think the listeners as well with how well your voices go together with this story. And a thank you to my wife Erika Salazar who voiced for Eliza again. And until the next episodes of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Here, fire! Do not fire! God creates man. Man destroys God. Man creates dinosaurs. Boy, my head being right all the time. We're gonna have to drop the can! Are you ready? One, two, come on! In the audio lab this week, we have a fun remix from the YouTube channel Racket with the remix Shooter! <sighs> yeah. Yeah, you'll have to excuse my terrible Muldoon impression. Uh, so let's skip past that, forget about it, and let's go take a listen.
this. You know, I'm pretty much in love with any kind of Jurassic Park remix, so let's hope we stumble upon more here in the future. Great job on that one, everybody from Racket. If you want to check out their video, it's in our show notes. You'll also find a link to Racket's YouTube and Twitter in our show notes. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 108th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Arjun for another great episode of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. I am constantly excited to hear who he brings to each one of these episodes and to hear the great people of this community in some of their favorite acting roles. I found there to be a really great energy uh, in this episode between Hammond and Wu. What a compelling look behind the scenes. I absolutely love it, and I can't wait to find out where it goes next. Also, a thanks to Racket over on YouTube for the fun remix video. It's been a while since we included a fan-made song here on the show, so hopefully we can start including more of those in the future. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast, and our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, and of course, wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes, or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Then the big helicopters burst through the fog, their underbellies heavy with armament. The raptors scattered in alarm as one of the helicopters moved in to land on the beach. A door was flung open and soldiers in olive uniforms came running toward them. Grant heard the rapid babble of voices in Spanish and saw that Muldoon was already aboard with Tim and Lex. One of the soldiers said in English, Please, you will come with us. Please, there is no time here. Grant looked back at the beach where the raptors had been, but they were gone. All the animals had vanished. It was as if they had never existed. The soldiers were tugging at him, and he allowed himself to be led beneath the thumping blades and climbed up through the big door. Muldoon leaned over and shouted in Grant's ear, They want us out of here now! They're going to do it now! The soldiers pushed Grant and Ellie and Gennaro into seats and helped them flip on harnesses. Tim and Lex waved to him, 
The door was left open as the helicopter lifted away from the beach, and Grant leaned out to see if he could catch a last look at the raptors. But then they were above the palm trees, moving north over the island. Grant leaned to Muldoon and shouted, What about the others? Muldoon shouted, They've already taken off Harding and some workmen. Hammond had an accident, found him on the hill near his bungalow. Must have fallen. Is he all right, Grant said? No, Compey's got him. What about Malcolm, Grant said. Muldoon shook his head. He died before help came. Grant was too tired to feel much of anything. Somewhere behind them they heard explosions. The helicopter gained altitude and then moved east out over the ocean. Grant sat back in his seat. He thought of the dinosaurs standing on the beach, and he wondered where they would migrate if they could, and he realized he would never know. He felt sad and relieved in the same moment. The officer came forward again, bending close to his face. Are you in charge? No, Grant said. Please, senor, who is in charge? 